have a few words that I want to share with you on the subject, light for every man, light for every man. The reason for this is because I often get messages, letters, emails from people who want to straighten me out on this idea that Christ died for everybody. You see, there are people in this world that do not believe that God so loved everybody the same, or that he made a payment for all the sins of the world because he only chose to save some, but not everybody. And so the ones that he chose to save, they teach that God gave them the faith to believe because that's the one that he chose to save. So it's already been predetermined before the foundations of the world. And so if they believe it, it's because God gave them the faith to believe. And of course, the only way you know you were one of those who really believed is by the way you live. Because if you don't live it, then you weren't really one of those who believed it. So you don't look at whether or not what the Word of God says. You have to look at whether or not does my life prove that I really believe. And if my life doesn't prove that I really believe because I've changed my whole life, then evidently I wasn't one of the chosen ones. I just thought I was. They're called Calvinist. I am not a Calvinist. I am not an Arminian. Arminians believe you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that because I'm not saving me. He's saving me. And he told me he can't lose me. So therefore, I don't believe I can ever lose my salvation. But in the book of Ephesians, I want you to take your Bible, look there first of all, Ephesians and chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And notice what he says here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That means because you trespassed God's law. You have been separated from God because of sin. Sin separates us. They say, well, since you're dead, you can't do anything. And if you're dead, you can't believe. If you're dead, you can't see. If you're dead, you can't do anything. Now, if you were talking to people in a cemetery, I would agree with you. That God would have to intervene and give them life in order that they might be able to believe. So they're saying that since you're dead, you have to be given salvation in order that you might believe. So he saves you before you believe. And that's contrary to scripture. I don't believe that. Now, he makes a statement down here in verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Being saved, coming from death to life, is a gift of God. They say that God gives you the faith. So what he says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and then when it says, and that not of yourselves, they say that's talking about faith. It is not talking about faith. It's talking about being saved. You see, God did not give you the faith to believe, but not you. But he gave you the faith to believe, but not you. That isn't true. Well, they say before the foundations of the world, God's already determined who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven. That is not true. God in his sovereignty has chosen to give to you and I a free will. That is 
something that's very easy to understand. When God made the heavens and the earth, put two people here, pretty nice place. Pretty good people. He gave them a choice, a free will, to make a decision. They could have anything they wanted, but don't eat off that one tree. Guess what they did? You heard the story. You must have read the book. They sinned against God. Is God wrong? No. Did God sin? No. God gave to us a will to choose, either to obey or disobey. So all of us are rebellious. We all want our own way, and we're hard-headed and stiff-necked. And God says we have all sinned against God. So death is separation. We're separated from the source of eternal life. But God has placed eternity in our hearts. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I have it right here in your notes, but I want you to see the context that it's in, that it's right here, and I'll refer to it in just a moment. In verse 9, he says, That which... Or that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So God, by creating the world and creating you and putting you here, has given you the evidence that there's a God. You are the evidence that there's a God, because people didn't make you. You didn't come from a rock or a tree. Mankind is here. Either he made himself or God made him. Those are the only options you have. Either you came from God or you came from nothing. Now, which you take your pick. You have been created. There is a creator. And so he made the world, and the world is the evidence that God gave to us because of the things that we can see and hear, a body that can communicate we know that there is a God because of the creation God has made. He says, I made the world and everybody that's in it. And he says, this is the evidence. Now, if a person takes the evidence and follows the evidence, you'll have to come to the conclusion, there is a God. There is a God. So every man has a certain amount of light, evidence, now, it may not be enough evidence for you to trust in Christ because you have to hear about that. But there's evidence that you know there's a God. And God goes further than that. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, follow along this same line. It's very important. And look what it says in chapter 17. And look at verse 24. Verse 24. And verse 24 says, God that made the world... And all things therein, see that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. God that made the world. So when you see the world, you know somebody made it. God says, that's the evidence that I exist. I made it. Because of sin, we can't see God. Because of sin, God is so holy. If you could see God, you would die. Because of his glory, his brightness, it would kill you. So God doesn't allow you to see him, but he allows you to see what he made so that you will know God is real and God exists. In verse 25, neither is worshipped 
with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he, get this, giveth to all life and breath and all things. You'll notice he's talking about what God has done, what God has made. And it includes every person in the world. They're all included. And so he says there in uh, verse 26, And hath made of one blood of all nations, of men, all nations, every man, one blood, everybody, God says he did it. He made them all. And it refers to every person. In verse 27, That they should seek the Lord, if happily they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So if a person wants to know, is there a God? Yes, there is. And it doesn't take much evidence to prove it. It's that when you begin to deny the evidence, you want more evidence, more evidence, more evidence. Well, God's given to every man that comes into this world a certain amount of evidence. And if you'll take and believe that evidence, you'll find more evidence, more evidence, and more evidence. It's kind of like these hearings that's been going on in Washington. They're looking for the evidence. There's no crime. But they're looking for the evidence. And so far, they can't find any evidence. But when it comes to the Lord, there's evidence that God is real. Just go out any night you want to and look at the stars, look at the sun, look at the moon. Look in the mirror. So what God made, God says, that's enough evidence for you to know there is a God. You may not accept the evidence. That's up to you. That's because you have a sinful nature and can choose not to accept that evidence. When I was coming along, before I was saved, when I was 18 years old, I knew there was a God. I never doubted, never questioned. I just knew there's a God. Though my dad never took me to church. My mother never read a Bible. We never had prayer in our home. It didn't matter. I knew there is a God. And I accepted the evidence. Now notice what he says. In verse 29, he talked about we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone engraven by art and man's devices. There is a true and living God. You don't create a little God and then worship that little God. You don't make little idols and worship those little idols. God says, no, I am God. And notice what he says in verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. Because, you see, there's times when people didn't have a lot of evidence, but what evidence you were given, you're responsible for. You see, I may not be able to get a hold of God, bring him down here and say, there he is. You say, well, prove to me God exists. You prove he doesn't exist. If you want to prove that there is a no God, you would have to have the ability to know everything there is to know all at one time. Because if there's anything that you don't know, it could be the knowledge of God. You have to have the ability to be everywhere all at the same time because if there's anywhere that you can't be all at the same time, you can't prove God's not there. How are you doing? So whenever you study the Bible, he says, think not God is like what you imagine. He says, God says, this is what I'm like. This is what I've done. So then he says there in verse 30, he says, now commandeth all men everywhere, all men. That would be everybody. Certain responsibility to respond to the evidence God's given. But now because 
in verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world. That would be every person. It's appointed unto every man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And why would he judge you if it's not your fault? If you had no responsibility? If you couldn't believe? If whatever. But God knows what you know. God knows the evidence that he's given. You're the one that decides whether or not you'll believe it or not believe it. You can be hard-headed if you want. Stick your head in the sand if you want. Well, I don't know if there's a heaven or a hell. You know there's a God. And if you want to know the truth, then you seek truth. He says, though he's not far from every one of us, because all you have to do is take what God's word says and follow its logic, follow its reasoning. And you'll come to the source of eternal life, which is the Lord himself. Now, even though God made the world, and so by the world, you can reason there's a God. But you cannot know who God is and what he is like without the revelation of the word. So God made the world to use your reason, and God gave you the word to use the revelation so that God reveals it. And if you can accept this as evidence, you can believe this without any trouble. Because the Bible says that God made the world, made the word, and they both agree perfectly. It's when you don't want to believe the evidence. Then you get into evolution, atheism, and all the isms and spasms that there is. And so he says, because he raised up Jesus from the dead. So raising up Jesus from the dead. See there in verse 32. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others says, we'll hear thee again of this matter. So they had a choice, either accept it or believe it. But Christ coming back from the dead was the ultimate evidence that what Christ said and did was true. And so what he said was he loved the whole world, went to the cross, paid for all the sins of the whole world, came back from the dead and offered salvation to everybody in the whole world. And woe unto the individuals that go around preaching that God has only selected a few people to save. And he really didn't die for everybody. He just died for the ones that he chose to save. And the rest of you couldn't be saved if you wanted to. That's heresy. That's not the truth of the Bible. God so loved the whole world. Now, look down at the bottom down here in verse number 2. Well, we have the one about Romans. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter 1. Romans and chapter 1. This is why the gospel is so important. The gospel, the good news, is giving people the evidence that they need to believe. That the one who made the heavens and the earth that you can see loves them. And he's a personal God. And you can know him. The Lord is more real to me than the clothes that I have on my back. Now look what he says. In verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, they resist the truth. He says in verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest, get this, in them. In other words, a person has eternity placed in their heart. God says that. And he's talking about the world that is here is the evidence that every person knows there is a God. For God hath showed it unto them. 
what? The world. God made the world. It's the evidence that there is a true and living God. Now, through the scriptures, we can get to know God, to know who he is, and to know what his name is or know what he did. How much you love it? What's he going to do next? So God has already laid it out, and we know what's coming down the road because of the truth of the word of God. Now, look what he says in verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without what? It means they've been given enough evidence to know that God is true, that God is real. And every person knows there's a higher, they just don't know. Everywhere on the face of the earth, somebody worshiped God in some way. And if they can't find God, they just make themselves God. I'm God. I worship me. And that's called humanism. And it's secular humanism being taught in our public schools. When you teach that there is no God, then that makes you God. You're the one who controls. It's your life. Do whatever you want. By any means. And it's permeating our society. So he says, they are without excuse. Now, why are they without excuse? Look what he says. Because when they knew God, they knew God. They don't actually know him as their Savior, but they know that there is a God. Because he's talking about people here that doing everything in the book. The bunch of sodomites and everything else. It doesn't matter whether the Gentiles or whether in chapter 3, it's the Jews. Everybody has sinned against God. And because when you know that there's a God, you turn against that. Because, you see, you're going to believe your theology is going to agree with your morality. How you want to live, whatever morality you want to have, you want to develop a religion that frees you up to live according to your sins. You want to pick and choose. And so a lot of people don't want to believe in God because they want to live in sin. And believing in God makes you feel guilty. And I don't want to feel guilty, so I either have to deny my desire for sin, or i got to deny the reality of God. Well, it's easy to just deny the reality of God and have fun. But lo and behold, there's a judgment coming that God talks about. So he says in verse 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imagination. Their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became what? So atheism is foolish. A man has said in his heart, there is no God. Who said that? A fool has said, there is no God. So when you hear people say that there is no God, their beloved is a fool. Doesn't matter how many degrees after their name or how much they get paid in the university. There is no God, you're a fool. You say, you ought not say it so strong. Yes, I will. <laughs> I don't want people to misunderstand that I don't think, well, it's not that serious. Yes, it is. It's the issue of heaven and hell. And they affect other people because everybody is trying to persuade somebody of their belief, whatever you believe. Well, I don't believe anybody ought to have any belief. You really believe that? You can't be sure of anything. Are you sure of that? So the Bible is clear. There is a God. Now, look on the back part of your page top of the page, and Romans in 120, I put it in bold, something that I want to bring out to your attention, 
For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. So this is the light. In John chapter 1, God created the world. It's light that we need. And then he says they are without excuse because what he has given is a strong evidence. And then when Christ comes back from the dead, that's even stronger evidence. Because when's the last time you saw somebody come back from the dead? Listen, I've been doing funerals for 50 years. So far, so far. I've never said, rise. <laughs> they did it, it'd kill me. I don't go around trying to raise the dead. You've got a lot of these here televangelists and Benny Hinn and all some of these other ones going around here, these faith healers. And all they ain't healing nobody. They're just stealing your money. Don't you give one dime to those people. Don't get me sidetracked. <laughs> Look at the next statement. Because when they knew God, so that there was a God, they glorified him not as God. And this is what people do. So they rebel against the evidence. Now take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of John. The book of John, chapter 1. John chapter 1. And look there in chapter 1 and verse 1. And verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Wouldn't that include every man? Everybody? Everybody. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, did not understand. You see, whenever a man, because of his sinful nature, he may know there is a God, but he cannot know God because of the world. He can only know that there is a God. That reveals to him. But God says, seek God. And if you will, he's not far from every one of us. Because the truth of it is just, will you or will you not believe it? See, I've never seen God. I've never seen Jesus Christ. I've never seen heaven. I've never seen hell. But I believe it with all my heart that all of it's true. And one of the reasons, because of, there's evidence. And I believe in God because I, I realized the world's here and I didn't make it. And I'm convinced you didn't either. So who did? Have you ever seen, and it's amazing to me, we have right out here in this little uh, well house, there's a, there's a duck sitting on a bunch of eggs. Now you try to tell me how that other little duckling that's going to come out of that. How did he get in here? Ain't that a miracle? And whenever they get hatched, that mama's going to jump down, and the other one's going to jump down, and they'll follow it, and they'll go in here, and they get in that water. And every time I come in here, there's about, you know, eight, ten of them, and they just all, and they all follow me. You go make one. You go make a little duck. Give it life, and then have the power to reproduce and have another one. You do it. And to believe that it just happened. You're seeing a little baby. A man and a woman can get together, have their fun, and lo and behold, two become one. And look at that little baby. Isn't that a miracle? All right, you just go into your house, go into your kitchen, get everything you got. Make a baby, put it right there. 
Just you, just you. Put it there. There was a couple of these uh, archaeologists. They said, well, that's no miracle making a man from the dust of the earth. We can do that too. So they had a contest with God. And so God just, all of a sudden, he, he made a man from the dust of the earth. So they got together and they got them some dust. He said, no, 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 no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> Go get your own dirt. You see, everything that was made, God made. And so he says here in the word, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came to bear witness of the light. This was not the light, but he was bear witness of the light. And guess what he says here in verse 7. Look at verse 7. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, which refers to Jesus Christ, that all men. Do you think all men would refer to everybody? I believe it refers to everybody. All men through him might do what? Might believe. And some people say, well, you know, this is not really your choice. It's that um, God has determined who gets to, you know, believe by picking certain ones. I believe that the word of God says, God so loved the world. When Christ died on the cross, the book of 1 John chapter 2, that he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And there's people that got to change. They can't, well, it can't mean that. People have the same problem when God says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Well, he couldn't have meant that. You can't tell me that's all you got to do is just trust Christ as Savior and you get to go to heaven tonight. Because they believe you have to earn it. You've got to deserve it. And you know that a person who lives like the devil doesn't deserve to go to heaven. True? Anybody who lives like the devil don't deserve. Well, every person that tries to live like a saint doesn't deserve it either. You don't go to heaven because you deserve it. Nobody deserves it. Christ died to pay for all the sins of all the world because all have sinned and come short of God's perfection. And so because God so loved the whole world, he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why preach the gospel to everybody if there's you know, not even a possibility of them believing? God says, this is what you do. Now look what he says there in verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Wouldn't every man that cometh into the world refer to every man that cometh into the world? You got a problem with that? Wouldn't you think every man that comes into the world, well, that doesn't really mean that. I mean, just the elect. What well, did not say that? In verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made by him and the world knew him not. You think I would refer to everybody? When Christ came into this world, remember, he came into the world to down the cross so that everybody could have the free gift of everlasting life. Now, Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And there's a verse 24 I want us to start reading. Because uh, Christ has died and come back from the dead. And they were scared to death. Hiding in an upper room. Doors are locked. Just like our church We've locked all the doors. Nobody. Verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, 
except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. What does he say? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If God gave you the faith to believe, well, then you're going to have to automatically believe. If God says, I'm going to give you the faith to believe, then you've got to believe. But he said, I will not. Does that look like it's a choice? That's a choice. A free will. After eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with him. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and says, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Remember, he, he hadn't been there. He wasn't there that day when he was there. And he, it, Jesus wasn't there when he said those things. Well, I don't know how in the world Jesus knew it, what he said. I have a clue how he knew it. He says, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not, you ought to underline this in your Bible, faithless. Well, if God gave you the faith, you wouldn't be faithless, would you? In other words, Believing something or not believing something must be our decision. And he wanted some evidence. And when he saw the evidence, he says, my Lord and my God. That was his evidence. Now, everybody don't get that much evidence. But he happened to have been there at the right time. He got some evidence. But get what he says. Be not faithless, but believing. Christ wanted him to believe. But you see, you're the one that determines whether or not will I or will I not believe. And then he says this in verse 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Because you saw me. Well, wait a minute. Why don't you just believe it? Because I gave you the faith to believe and you the faith to believe and you the faith to believe. So you ought to believe it because I gave you the faith to believe. It ought to be automatic. But it's not automatic. And if God gave you the faith to believe, he must have gave everybody faith to believe because everybody believes something. And can you believe? You can put your faith in Buddha, Mohammed, or Confucius. You can put it in that pew to hold you up. All of y'all, how many of y'all like Peter Amato? Let me see your hands. All right. Why don't you just trust him to take you to heaven? Because he don't have the ability to take you to heaven. It won't matter how much he wants you to go to heaven. He can't do it. If Christ walked in this room right now and he says, I paid for all of your sins. I love all of you. And I want all of you to go to heaven. But it's your choice. See, he has already chosen to save everybody. God has already chosen to save everybody but not against your will. He will only save you if you choose to be saved. But that doesn't stop him from loving everyone, paying for everyone's sin, and offering salvation to everyone. But it's your choice. Now look what he says. In verse 29, Blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. So there's some people who saw him and believed. Thomas, you saw, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen. In other words, some had more evidence than others. Some of these people that were there, they saw all the miracles. Guess what? I didn't see a one. 
So therefore, I can sit in judgment on God. God says, you had enough evidence. God knows what you know. Did you realize some people can come to church day after day and they hear it for years and years and never trust the Lord? They have all the evidence they need. They've heard it. They've been through the Bible. They've heard it preached and still will not trust Christ as Savior. When my father-in-law sat down with me on that one night, he explained the gospel to me that night. It's all the evidence I needed. I was lost. He loved me. He paid for my sins, and if I believe it, I'd have eternal life. That's all the evidence I had. Who are all these people think they deserve more? If God does, praise the Lord. But if he doesn't, you still have enough evidence to convict you, to condemn you. And that's why it's so important for every person to believe. Look what he said in verse 30. You see, the Bible gives us the reason for the writing of the book of John. It was written so that people could believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. That was the reason for this book. This is God's heaven track. It's the evangelistic tool. It's the gospel. Look in verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might what? Well, why does he have to have this in order for somebody to believe if he gave you the faith to believe? Why don't he just give you the faith to believe? That's what the Calvinists would teach. And everything is based upon that, and it's not true. You'll hear them on radio. R.C. Sproul. Anybody ever heard of his name? John MacArthur. Ever heard of him? They're on radio all the time. They do not preach the clarity of the gospel. They teach lordship salvation. It means that if you really believe it, your only choice is that you have to believe. God gave me the faith to believe. Therefore, I believe it. But now, how do you know God really gave you this faith? Well, it because your life has to show it. So then it causes this person to look at what God said or how they're living. They judge whether they're saved or not because of their works. Well, I, I go to church and I live a good life and I, I sing in the choir and I do all these good things. That's how I know I'm going to heaven. If that's what you're trusting in, got bad news for you. You're trusting the wrong thing. You're not trusting Christ. Because what happens when you don't go to church and you don't want to serve the Lord and you don't want to read the Bible and you do things that you shouldn't do and you think things that are ungodly? Well, I guess I must not be saved. So the teaching of turn from your sin, turn from your sin, stop being bad, commit your life to Christ, start being good, those things on both sides causes a person that truly believes in Christ when they hear that message to doubt their salvation because how many sins do I have to turn from? Well, I don't know. How good do I have to be? Well, I don't know. So that teaching keeps a lost man from getting saved and messes up a saved man from being stabilized in his faith because it teaches them to doubt their salvation or to trust in their works. And then it puts them under a law and then they hate the legalism. I hope my views are coming out little by little. Look down at the bottom of the page. Right before number five, there's a verse but these are written that you might believe. Now listen, if this is written that you might believe, here we are 2,000 years later, 
and we are reading what was written. Why is this written? Because God wants you to know how to have eternal life. Why did Christ come? So that you could have eternal life. A verse that was read earlier by Jay in the scripture in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 talked about this mortal must put on life. Mortal must become immortality. So that we can come from being mortal subject to death, but we can have immortality and live with God for all eternity. So he says here, these things are written. Look at the last verse, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe. On the name of the Son of God that you may what? Know that you have what? Eternal life. Now, if God just gave it to you without the word of God, what do you got? How do you know you got faith? How do you know you really believe? How do you know you're really saved? It's got to be based upon what did the word of God say? Now, look at the little statement that I have here in the box. God has chosen to save the whole world, but not against their will. God in his sovereignty has chosen to give each man a free will. Each man is free to examine whatever the evidence may be that is sufficient for him in order that he might make the decision to trust Christ as a Savior. It is our responsibility to give the lost the necessary evidence that is contained in the gospel that he might believe. So man can have a certain amount of evidence, but the evidence he needs to be saved has to come from the written scriptures. This is the only evidence that that man can use to understand the truth of the gospel, that God loves him and God will save him and give him the free gift of everlasting life. Look up here. This is why I do this all the time, because this is the gospel. This is the light that helps a blind man to see. I'm telling you something that out of all this in this book, in this whole book, what's the most important little nugget that I can pull out of this thing? I mean, the greatest truths of all that I can pull out of the Bible, going to all the realm, preach the gospel. So this gospel must be the most important thing in this whole big old thick book. And you boil it all down to this one little illustration. Now watch. This is not magic. This is not a magic wallet. This is not a trick. It illustrates a truth. It illustrates the greatest truth of the greatest evidence any man needs. This hand represents you and me. When I say you and me, do you think I mean just half of you or all of you? All of you. And this wallet represents sin. We all have sin. Some of us are all of us. All of us. It represents all of us. And we all have sinned. But now, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So how many of these all are going to die? All. So we're all in the same boat because we're all guilty and we're all going to die. And because we are sinners, we're separated from God. We're spiritually dead. And so the Bible says to go to heaven, I have got to be perfect as righteous as God. And nobody is perfect. No one's righteous. God says you cannot save yourself. So Jesus Christ, God's son, came into the world because he loved some of us. All of us. And so because he loved all of us, he was going to die for some of us. He's going to die for all of us. So he took all the sin, some of it or all of it. He took all of it. 
paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. So the payment for the sins of the world has already been made. God says that all he wants us to do is believe that he did it for us. That's an individual choice. This is your free will. God has already chosen to save every person in the world. He already chose to die for every person in the world. He came back from the dead and he chose to say, send the gospel to every person in the world because he's not willing that any should perish. And so it's your individual choice. Will you believe this or not? I don't know what evidence you need, but I know some people that have waited and waited and want more evidence and more evidence and more evidence and they've died looking for evidence. You don't have a guarantee of how long you're going to live. Evidently, you already have enough evidence to trust Christ as your Savior. It will be hard-headed, stiff-necked that causes you to have a hard heart. You will not believe it. That's your choice. But you can never blame God. We're guilty without a cause. He came back from the dead and says, will you believe I did this for you? 57 years ago, I believed he did it for me. And he gave to me as a free gift everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, how long would it last? If it lasts forever and all my sins are paid, where am I going when I die? So can I know I'm going to heaven before I die? Of course, who wants to wait till you die to find out you're not making it? You didn't make it. You see, if you have to earn your way to heaven, you have to wait till you die. That's why you can't know now. Because you can't know you're going to heaven until you know you can't go to hell. I know I can't go to hell. Why? I don't have any sins to pay for. Why? Because Christ paid for all my sins. Well, who do you think you are? A sinner. I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. But I'm going to go to heaven because he loved me. He paid for my sins. That's, I'm just living a dream. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you are here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? You see, this is a choice you get to make. You're free to choose. You can accept it or reject it. But he loves you. He wants you to be saved. But he will not make you. He chose to save you. Will you choose to be saved? That's your choice. And if you will trust Christ as your Savior right now, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And say, preacher, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. And friend, if you'll do that, would you just let me know by an uplifted hand? Just slip it up real quick, put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to do anything to you. Is there anyone at all? Say, yes, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. If you will trust Christ as your Savior, we'd love to know that. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all that you do for us. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to come to teach your word. Thank you for each person here. We ask your blessings upon the food to follow in the gymnasium. And thank you, Lord, for those who are going to help us to have scholarships for kids to go to camp. Bless in Christ's name we pray. Amen.